Good morning, good morning. How are you guys feeling today? Man, so excited for you to be here. Welcome to Aspen Grove Christian Church. Uh, especially if you're a guest with us today, man, please take a few moments, fill out uh, our connection cards are, are right at the bottom of a bulletin. Uh, we'd love the chance to follow up with you, pray with you, serve you, uh, however we can help. Uh, so please take a moment, fill out those connection cards. You can always drop them in our tithing offering boxes right there by the back door. Can we thank uh, Jamie for uh, leading worship for us again today? Yeah. Uh, and I invite you, I don't think this is uh, private information, Jamie is actually uh, next uh, in, in two weeks, and one week is traveling to Portugal, where she's going to spend a month training worship leaders in Portugal. And I cannot think of anyone better to send than Jamie. So yeah, that's uh, lots of blessings on your, and she speaks zero Portuguese, so she needs an extra helping of the, the spirit with that. Man, uh, I want to thank everybody that came out and helped us at, uh, at Pumpkin Fest yesterday. We had, a, we had a tent at Pumpkin Fest, especially the Whiteys did a ton of work and were basically our, our on-the-ground people, but so many of you came and volunteered. It was, it was so fun. We handed out over like 750 balloons and like at least 100 pounds of candy. I don't know. I mean, like it was, uh, it was really fun and special just to, to love on our community. And man, I, I, I'm excited for more opportunities to do that in the future. Uh, I want to remind you of a couple of quick things that are that are coming up. Uh, one is uh, in the month of November, which next uh, Thursday is November, if you guys can believe that. Uh, in the month of November, we're going to be offering growth track uh, in our 9 o'clock hour each and every week. Uh, you can uh, sign up online right now for that, or I know Bob Brown is going to be the one leading those classes. Man, if you have not taken the next step of, of believing or connecting or following or discovering here at Aspen Grove, man, this is such an important journey we ask everyone to take. So I want to let you know the whole month of November, these classes are going to be offered. Also uh, in November, this seems crazy to even talk about, but we have our, our annual family Thanksgiving meal in November. Uh, I know it seems it seems crazy, but it's it's the 18th. It's actually not that far away. So I uh, just wanted to point that out to you and let you know there's a sign-up list uh, outside. I would love for you to come, plan to come, uh, uh, invite you to bring your whole family, your neighbors, their kids. Uh, this church likes to eat. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Nothing says I love you like Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our, our teaching series out of the book of Jonah. Uh, we've called this the story of Jonah overboard. And uh, I had a friend actually send me the, a joke this week about this. So I thought I'd, I'd take a moment and share it with you. Go ahead, Merwin. There it is. Any of you get it? Nice. So uh, I, I want to, we're going to do the last part of Jonah today, but I was thinking, man, how do I let for, so for people who haven't been here, or haven't, haven't got all of this teaching, how do I recap the whole story of Jonah for you? And so I actually want to introduce to you a, a resource. If you haven't seen this resource, it's called the Bible Project, and it's a group, uh, their mission is to just show how the Bible's a unified story that leads to Jesus. And they do this in a really artistic and cool way, and uh, you can find, uh, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to just show you one of the, their videos for the book of Jonah, and what you'll see is that uh, the Bible Project has videos for every single book of the Bible, which are like condensed illustrations of the whole story. So in just a few minutes, uh, you're going to get the whole entire story of Jonah, and then we're going to talk really about chapter four, but really just one question. All right, so remember, go ahead and play this, and uh, let's recap Jonah for you. 
What do you think? All right, so I invite you, uh, I never do this, but in your Bible study, I invite you to go to YouTube and search the Bible Project. And so they have these videos for each and every book of the Bible, really, like, can be, can be really helpful and insightful, great to do with, with kids or with people who think they know the story of Jonah but don't really know the story of Jonah. Like, here's a great way to kind of talk about this. So I just want to spend a few minutes and, and talk about chapter four, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll, I'll let you go back and read it. But but for any of you who are fans of Jonah, uh, really, you you were praying and hoping that this story ended in chapter three, because in chapter four, um, everything kind of kind of goes bad. Uh, in, in chapter four, the real Jonah is exposed, and he you see a Jonah that is a pouting, pity party little jerk. That's the actual Hebrew. <clears throat> Several times in chapter four, God kind of asked Jonah, like, why are you so upset? Is it, is it right for you to be angry about this? And what is Jonah's response? Yes. Like if I, a two-year-old, right? Yes, I'm so angry. I, I'm so angry I could die. That's what he says. You see, like, uh, in, a, in a bunch of ways, Jonah is... Uh, uh, the prodigal son's brother, if you remember that story. Angry at the forgiveness and favor given to someone else. Angry and bitter. Um, the, there's this great scene in chapter four. It's, it's a little bit cryptic to us, but Jonah is pouting on a hill, hoping that Nineveh repents of repenting so that they'll actually get destroyed which is what he wants, what he desires. And God causes this, this plant to grow over Jonah. So like the, the ancient rabbis, they have a great interpretation of this. And, and so uh, I'm just going to add this as an amendment. You, you guys do what you want with it. But, but the rabbis say that the plant that grew over Jonah and covered him was a castor oil plant. You guys ever had castor oil? You know what castor oil is? All right. So the, the rabbis, this is, this is really funny thing. Like, like this is, like, if this is a castor oil plant that grows over Jonah, like, castor oil is really, really great for treating constipation, right? So when God calls a castor oil plant to grow over Jonah, it's probably because, like, this dude is seriously retentive, okay? He needs to loosen up in all the kind of ways that that implies, but still, like, the whole point of Jonah ends, with, it, it's really an abrupt ending if you read chapter 4. Uh, and, it, and it ends with, with one question. And God is asking Jonah, uh, uh, the, the question is, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? You know, and it's, it's great in size, but, but there's a whole other implication to that greatness. It says in the very last verse, it says that, that this is a city of 120,000 people. Sometimes numbers represent more than just numbers. And so maybe 120,000 represents all the people of the world. Some have suggested. And God says, shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? Uh, shouldn't I feel sorry for the nations of the earth who are, the New Living Translation says, spiritual darkness, who are walking in spiritual darkness. But the literal translation is, shouldn't I feel sorry for people who don't know their right hand from their left? 
right, so profoundly lost. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And if you back up a few verses, Jonah is going to say, I knew it. I knew you were going to be compassionate. I knew you were merciful and, and eager to turn back from destroying people. That's what he says in, uh, in chapter 4, verse 2. Like, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this? That is why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you were merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. This is, this is a verbatim quote from Exodus when God is describing himself. Like in, in when they're starting the temple and all of that, God says, this is who I am. And like, I don't want you to miss the power of this scene. Jonah takes a description of God's goodness and throws it back in God's face as an insult. Who's still a fan of Jonah? And Jonah's accusation is that God actually cares for everyone. Jonah is clearly not concerned about the people of Nineveh. What he's concerned about is, well, is, what I'm, is my prophecy really going to come true or not? What he's concerned about is not the great cities of the world. What Nineveh, or, or what Jonah is concerned about is, the plant wilted. Right? Have you ever been in that situation where, where your values are really sideways and out of a line? Uh, have you ever made a mountain out of a molehill? You guys know that? Like, and this is, this is exactly what this story calls out of us. Jonah does a, does a couple of things. Like, like the prophetic good news of Jonah is, is learning exactly how God thinks. Do you see that? Like Jonah learns the truth of what is really important to God. And the question for us is, have we? Have you? What is really important to God? You know, Jesus talks about Jonah. Did you know that? It comes in Matthew chapter 12. There's, there's this really unfortunate scene. Some of the, the religious elite, the Jonah of Jesus' days, right? Uh, the, the, the scholars of the day, the religious scholars of the day, the, the you know, the man, we got to get religion right, people of Jesus' day come to Jesus and they beg for a sign. So this is kind of ironic because Jesus is doing sign after sign after sign after sign, but they just want to trap him. So they say, come on, Jesus, show us a real sign. And you know what Jesus says to him? He says, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of Jonah. And Jesus compares himself to Jonah in one sense and says, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days, I'm going to be buried under the earth for three days and I'm going to come back. And then he tells the religious leader of Jesus' day, of, of his own day, he tells them, he says, you know, Nineveh is actually going to prophesy against you. 
Because at least Nineveh listened to Jonah and repented as where you have someone greater than Jonah with you today. Meaning who? Himself. He says, I'm greater than Jonah. At least Nineveh listened to Jonah, but you won't listen to me. Like, this is one of those sobering moments of Jesus' teaching, right? The sign of Jonah is, uh, it, it was for, for God's people in the Old Testament. The sign of Jonah was for uh, uh, all of Israel in the time of Jesus. And, and the sign of Jonah is a warning to Christians, to all of us today about what is really important. So this week, I, I'm excited to say that uh, uh, on, uh, on Thursday, I'm going on sabbatical for a month. <laughs> um, uh, all, of my, all of my kind of like close mentor friends are like, man, the church is getting a sabbatical for you, from you for a month. And yes, that is true. That, that is 100% true. Uh, I'm praying that it's a, it is a great thing for, for this church and for me. For me, it's a little bit of, of uh, if you see these moments in the New Testament, Jesus just, not that I'm Jesus or anywhere close to him, but I, but I want to follow his example. Uh, Jesus takes these moments and he, he kind of disappears. In fact, the disciples don't even know where he goes sometimes. They, they, lose, they lose him completely. And Jesus goes to what the New Testament calls lonely places. And it's a, it's a place of rest and renewal, but it's also a place where Jesus is like constantly checking the vision. He's constantly checking his mission and his purpose. He goes alone to be, a, to be with God to, to renew what's really important. And, and I think for me, this sabbatical season is, is kind of the same thing. I see Aspen Grove getting ready for a new season. Man, I'm so excited, and and I hope you are too, about the things that God is doing and the ways that he's working in our church. There are so many, like, meat and potato ministry kind of things happening in people's lives. Man, it is really exciting and amazing. And so I want to disappear to a lonely place and just to check our vision, to check, make sure we're we're on the right track, make sure we're we're going in the right questions, to, to ask again those questions of, man, God, what is... What is your deep desire for this place? And it, I think it's a little bit ironic because I think Jonah actually answers that question. I haven't left yet, and Jonah is already telling us what's really important to God. I love the story of the, uh, of the pastor who went to his kid's elementary school. Like those of you who have parents, you know, you have to go to the school, uh, I don't know, twice a year, and you get to see all the kindergarten artwork you know, have you seen this? So on the wall outside the classroom is all the kindergarten artwork. And, and this pastor goes to see his kindergartner's artwork because you ha- have to. Right? Moms love it, but dads are like, this is, yeah. Um, sorry, that's total side note. Uh, so this pastor showed up at the school and all the artwork is there. And, and the assignment was for the kids to draw that thing and, and to write, write about that thing that they really love, that thing that they're really passionate about. And, you know, so they're going down the line, and the first one was like, the kid has drawn a picture of a unicorn. I love unicorns. They're so squishy. Anybody? Oh, man. Right? 
Uh, and the next one is like, I love mommy. That's always the one that comes first. You know, and they're going down, and these are kindergarten ideas of, like, what's really important to these kindergartners. And then the pastor stops at this one that kind of, kind of near the end. And it says, I love Torah. Already you know something about this child, don't you? You know about the family of this child. And you know... What has been the value that has been taught to this child, right? For a kindergartner to say, not that I love unicorns and ponies and puppies, but to say that I love Torah, the word of God. Like you know something about that family and what they value, right? And, and this, is a, this is a little bit of a process of discovery what is God's heart? What does God desire? Why should God feel sorry for the great city of Nineveh? I like how it says it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone, like Nineveh, like the people of Jesus' day, he wants everyone to repent. In John 3, 17, I know you know John 3, 16, in John 3, 17, it says something very similar. It says that God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to, what's that word? Save the world through him. What's really important to God? What does God value above all else? You see, I think it is this value of, of the world. Like, uh, I know sometimes, sometimes faith traditions, we've gotten this completely upside down. And, and it was happening in Jonah's day and in Jesus' day. And there's a warning to us about this too, of it God actually sent his son for this whole world kind of purpose. God's purpose on earth is not to destroy it, but to build his kingdom on it and in it. Do you believe that? I think it's the core. If you look at Jesus teaching his, his great Braveheart teaching, his Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, you remember what the real center of the whole Sermon on the Mount, if you get nothing else about the Sermon on the Mount, there, there's this one piece that summarizes and is the, the huge thematic statement of Jesus' entire Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember what it is? Seek first the kingdom of God and live Seek first the kingdom. What's really important to God? It's, it's not nation or state or country. It's kingdom. It's kingdom. And, and how do we, I, I think the how-to of how do we seek first that kingdom is, is Matthew 28. At the very end of Jesus' life, Jesus says, go 
and make disciples of what? All nations. He, he says, advance the kingdom. Take this kingdom. Expand it. I, I love that our mission as, as a church here at Aspen Grove, if you don't hear us say it frequently, maybe we don't say it frequently enough, is to grow followers of Jesus Christ, is to make disciples, is to advance the kingdom of God. Why? Because that's what Jesus sent his son for. That's what's really important to God. So in just a moment, I'm going to send you uh, into a time of communion. We have the elements of communion on the tables around this room. Uh, maybe some of you are new here or even unfamiliar with this tradition. Man, we, we'd love to spend some more time with you and explain it. But in, in brief, on these tables are the elements of uh, Jesus' death and burial and resurrection. It's a reminder for everyone who takes it of, of the reason that Jesus came and, and lived and died and was resurrected for us. For those of us who call ourselves Christians and, and remember these elements and take them in ourselves, it, it is signing up again for the mission of God in this place. It is, it is a recommitment every week for us to re-engage in the things that God really values. And so in just a minute, I'm going to send you to these tables, but it's also a time of, of response and prayer. And I'll just move to the back. If there's ways we can pray for you or serve you, man, we, we, would, love, we would love that opportunity. Finally, I just want to give you just a few brief words as, as I send you into this next space. As Jonah discovers the truth of God, the truth of himself is revealed. And as we discover the truth of God, our own truth is revealed. Do we really care about the things that God cares about? Are the priorities of God our priorities? Is what is valuable to God truly valuable to you, to us? This past week, we had the celebration of life and funeral service for, for a really special guy, uh, and, uh, uh, and today, like, our, our church is hurting and mourning and grieving because Ed Neal is not here today. Uh, is anyone wearing a hat today? Man, we're going to have hat day just to honor Ed. Um, and during Ed's service, we, we talked a lot about, about his life and the things that, that Ed was passionate about. We talked about his, his driving and, you know, his love of cars. And, you know, we, we, you kind of get this whole picture of, of Ed and who he was. But what really stood out to me is that when we were planning this, this memoriam of him, Ed's family asked that we include a very special prayer as a part of his service. It's a, it's a prayer that, that reflected God's sincere priorities in Ed's own life. It was number one for Ed, and he wanted us to share it and pray it, and, and I couldn't think of a, any better way to honor him. In that same Sermon on the Mount, 
the prayer that we were asked to share was a prayer of Jesus. And it is a prayer that reflects all of the values of God. I want you to just put it on the screen. If you will, why don't we, uh, we recite this together? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. What was the priority of Jesus' life? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's really important to you, what's really valuable to you, what if Christians around the world actually cast off the false values of this world and instead together sought first the kingdom? That's my invitation to you today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for, uh, even though the story of Jonah, God, is, a, is an uncomfortable story because it, it kind of exposes the, the exaggerated worst parts of our, of, our, of our own selves. Father God, we, there, there is a lot that can be learned and gained from that. So, Father, here we are, standing exposed before you. We invite you to come into the deep places of our heart. What are the things uh, that we value? What are the things that we've placed priority on? Uh, uh, what are the things that have become important to us, Father God, that have displaced what is really valuable here? Father God, we, we invite you now into each of us through the power of your spirit to do a, maybe do a holy priority check with us. God, it's, it's man, I, and, and I repent of it, but God, because it's so easy. It's so easy to become distracted by the things of this world. It, it's so easy for, for you and, and the priority of your kingdom to slide down our to-do list. But Father God, I just, I just pray for kind of holy reorganization within each and every one of us, that we would pursue first your kingdom, that, that what is happening in heaven would happen here, and that you would use us as you used your son to bring about that change, to bring about your kingdom. Father God, fill us with this vision to grow followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples, each and every one of us. Let us see that as our primary purpose on this planet. And Father God, in this exposure, we ask for mercy, we ask for grace, 
And we ask for your hand to continually guide us and lead us. Lead us in the path of truth. Father God, all of this is possible because of your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we sing today and we pray today. It's in his name that, that we reorganize every aspect of our life. Father God, help us to know life and life to the full, the life that your son, Jesus, promised. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says, amen. I invite you to stand and enjoy a time of communion together.